I've been looking forward to this day for many, many weeks, actually. And if you weren't, uh, if you weren't with us maybe in the past few weeks, maybe you didn't hear me talk about it, but we started a series, uh, we started our midweek series on it just this week called The Heart, Hands, and Feet. Can somebody say that with me? Okay, that was pretty good. We're going we're gonna to get the um, attention... Uh, the attentionally challenged? Is that where is that? <laughs> Let's try this again. I'm going to say one, two, three. I want you to say heart, hands, and feet. Ready? One, two, three. Heart, hands, and feet. Good. So we started a series on this. And the deal is, what we've been sharing is that we believe God has a plan for kingdom expansion, for, for us to be um, representatives of his kingdom, part of his kingdom, introducing other people to this amazing kingdom. And what an amazing savior. Okay. But the issue is, uh, if, if, you, if, we have the, um, if we have the order of things off, we can produce a message or even just an atmosphere that can be detrimental rather than helpful. In other words, the great commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your... Yeah, good. So, but what does it start with? It starts with the... Good, Okay. Uh, this is like a bit of review, but I'm, I'm trying to, you know, bring us all in here on the same page here. Let's keep going, Lindsay, okay? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your, as your, okay, good. So there's a few things happening here. We're seeing loving God with all our hearts, and we know that we can only love him because he first loved us. It's like a revelation that takes place. It's it's not like a striving, um, you know, earning love. It's just that we experience his love and it reciprocates back. And out of that place, then, he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think it's so interesting. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Some of the big issues are if, if people really truly love their neighbor the way they love themselves, there wouldn't be a lot of love there. So this whole thing about, you know, getting our hearts right and, and allowing the Lord to touch our hearts really helps us to uh, get to the point where we're actually quite okay with who we are. And so, so out of that place of loving him, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, we're just going to see this thing go and go and go. And then we've got the great commission that says, go therefore as you go and make disciples of all nations teaching them what to do, what I taught you to do, baptizing them, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all these different things. But it's, it's out of that place and that foundation of love. So in our series, we started talking about the heart on uh, Thursday night. How many, well, I, I know me, there were several people there on Thursday night. There were a lot of people that weren't there, that um, the room was pretty well full, but there were, there were many of you that weren't there. And I'll just tell you this, um, not because I spoke, but we had a guest in that was just, I thought was pretty over the top, <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, I'm biased, yeah, I'm biased, yeah, but uh, no, Janelle, Janelle shared, and uh, it was funny, because we woke up that morning, and, and uh, I said, Janelle, I want you to share, and uh, at the hard hands and feet, you know, meetings, and she goes, okay, well, what, what do you want me to share? I said, well, you did six months of a school about the heart, so surely you could just pass on some, some of that, and she goes, oh yeah, I could do that, Dad. Uh, when do you want me to do it? And I said, tonight. And she said, okay, all right. So anyway, she came in. We had a good night. Then this week coming on Thursday, uh, Claude and Yvonne are going to be sharing again in the same vein. But this morning, uh, what we're doing is we're shifting gears. We're not going to necessarily talk so much about the heart. But this is going to be a conversation we're going to have with our dear friends, Ron and Shelby Fair from Alberta. And uh, we're going to talk about the hands because when we're in this series, the heart, getting that worked out, the hands, what we put our hands to, getting involved in, you know, ministry, getting in. When I say that word, don't think just getting up and preaching, right? What, what, but ministry, that I would just do this unto the Lord. If you have your Bibles, go with me this morning to Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians 3, we'll pick it up in verse 23. There's a lot of really good juicy stuff before that. But in verse 23, it says this, Whatever may be your task, work at it heartily as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you will receive the inheritance, which is your real reward. The one whom you're actually serving is the Lord 
Christ, the Messiah. Isn't that awesome? So it gives you a mindset. So when we're talking about the hands today, we're going to be talking about this, and we've got some questions that Ron and Shelby are going to uh, share on just some different things. But I want you just to kind of relax right now, and welcome to our living room. That's where we have this... uh, patio furniture, rattan furniture, I guess, up here. We want it to be a little bit comfortable, but we wanted, as I said last week, when somebody um, carries something in God, there's an anointing by God in a certain area, you can get under that by faith and say, Lord, I'm believing that this message or this anointing would transform my life. And uh, I'm believing that that today, just as uh, Ron and Shelby share and we converse a little bit, that there's going to be some things that are going to ignite in our hearts here today. And we'd say, yeah, yeah, come on. Like, like Edward said, if you, did it, if you can do it for them, you can do it for them. You can do, you're no respecter of persons. I'm in. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. All right. Let's, I just want to pray over us. Father, we thank you so much for your rich presence here today. And uh, as we just share uh, conversationally this morning, Father, I pray that transformation would take place in our hearts and that things that Ron and Shelby share and uh, some testimonies that they would actually be absolutely um, igniting fresh passion in so many of our hearts Lord in Jesus name may we be people that whatever we do we're doing it as unto the Lord in Jesus name and everybody said Amen. amen so I'm going to invite Ron and Shelby just to come on up can we give them a big hand And Mel. And um, here, I'll sit here, hon, so I can, yeah, I can, I got your water over there, I think. I don't know, can you guys see okay? Should we move back a little bit? Okay, there we go. We've even got the, I just, I feel like, wow, we're, we're doing Dr. Phil or Oprah or something right now. Um, I know we don't have, a, we don't have a, pl- a platform here, but this is super comfortable for us, so we're enjoying this, so. If you, if you can't see, well, stand up, get the video. But um, so I guess it was about, just to give you a bit of a history here, uh, we met Ron and Shelby um, in 2001, 2000 or 2001, I guess it was 2001, and um, it was really neat. We were, we, we were preaching uh, at a church in Edmonton um, just as guests there that night. And I looked out in the crowd, and I don't know how many people would have been. Sunday mm-hmm. nights, we'd have three, Four, yeah, 400, 300, 300, 300 yeah, 400 people, whatever. And I saw um, Ron uh, and Shelby didn't, well, Shelby always looked really classy. Ron, always, Ron, Ron didn't have his, uh, his um, attire that he has <laughs> you know, now, yeah. this look, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but I saw this guy out in the crowd, and the Lord just spoke to my heart in the middle of my preach, and he said, you're going to become very good friends with that man. And... Uh, so I didn't, I didn't know, uh, um, didn't know them, didn't know anything about them or whatever. But then um, it was really neat how God joined our hearts together, and uh, just in in dreaming about the kingdom and what mm-hmm. you know what God could do and and that sort of thing. So we started to go out and um, we we would take teams out on the road. And uh, Perry and Sherry, you were on some of that stuff too. And we'd go out and um, take this big steel motor coach bus. And we go out on the road into, into churches and, and uh, go in for a weekend and minister there and have such a good time. And I even said after that, years for years and years later, I said some of our most rich memories in ministry were when we were going out and, and having so much fun on the road and doing this kind of stuff, whatever. But anyway, the Lord just joined our hearts together. And um, I think maybe it's partly because deep down inside of me, there's quite a redneck in there. And, and uh, anyway, I won't say about Ron, but anyway, so... Um, why don't you why don't you tell us actually here I'll let you I'll let Mel ask some questions or whatever but um, tell us a little bit about yourselves. So so first of all, uh, we about two years ago we ran into a real problem with pastoral um, uh, situation in our church, and uh, our my first phone call was to and I was one of the elders at the time. Now we call ourselves council, not elders or board or whatever. And uh, my first phone call was to Trev, and Trev said, Ron, I'll help you out any way I can. This is like family. And I just want to thank Trev and Mel for being so willing and for the church. I mean, you know, we stole your pastor for a couple weeks at a time, and uh, he was out helping us out. So I just want to thank the whole body for, yeah, 
And so, furthermore, um, what we're going to talk about today, I just want everybody to know that we're no different than anybody else here. Like, we're just living our life, and we're doing some stuff, and Treb, and I don't know, a, a couple other churches have asked us to come in and speak and share what we do, and why, what, what makes, well, how are we wired to do what we do, and um, um, I think we've had a lot of fun doing it, so um, Shelby, you go ahead and tell. Well, I grew up on a cattle ranch, mixed farming uh, ranch in northern Alberta, way, way north, not as far as the Crete, but close, and um, we met at... Ron moved from Manitoba to farm in a little t community next to us called Tangent. And uh, we met one day at the school. And I was 17, he was 21. We proceeded to get married within a year. And so it's 39 years for us this year. Wow, come on. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, uh, so I got kind of a cool story. Um, some of you guys won't believe, but at one, at one time I was kind of full of myself. and and. Uh, I had, a, I had a kind of a hot muscle car. It was a 70 chel, uh, Challenger. And uh, I raced this guy when I got into town, and I beat him. And so the guy, other guys, as we I got to know. His back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's here? Yeah, I know. And so anyway, um, I kind of mouthed off to some other guys. And they had asked me, he said, have you ever raced this guy? I said, oh, yeah, he had a Camaro. And uh, I said, the day I lose to him, I'll park my car. And um, Say, Sorry, you said... You said the day I lose to him, I'm going to park my car. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I'm in town one day, and um, I hadn't driven my car. We were farming. My car had been sitting for like three months. And this guy's in town, so we raced, and Shelby's with him. It happened to be Shelby's boyfriend. <laughs> and so I raced I raced him, and I, I lost by half a length. So I went home, parked the car, sold it for 1800 bucks. got it, you know, because, I mean, everybody's going to monitor me now to see if I'm going to keep my word or not. So I told my daughters... I said, uh, I told them the story, and they looked over at mom, and they said, over at Shelby, and they said, oh, mom, you married a loser, and so, <laughs> yeah, so, anyway. Hey, but, but, but you, you lost the car, but you won the wife. Yeah, exactly. Come on, yeah. I think that was, a, yeah. that was an upgrade, yeah. Shelby. Yeah, I yeah. lost the race, but got yeah. the girl. There you go. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> That's good. Listen, we want to, um, let's talk a little bit about um, finding your lane you know, and give us a kind of a history, you know, because you guys had a lot of prophetic words or felt the Lord speaking yeah, to certain yeah, things. Yeah, so growing up, um, you know, the day of the tent meetings and the Holy Spirit was breaking through and we had tent meetings all over the place. And we had tent meetings out by Gladstone, Manitoba, actually. My dad was sort of a semi-farmer, construction guy, pastor guy. So these guys would come in and they'd be prophesying over me when I was young, saying God was really going to use me in ministry and God had great plans for me and blah, 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 which I automatically thought that meant pulpit ministry. And so I uh, did a little bit of farming, did a little bit of heavy equipment, and then ended up going to California and um, did some street ministry there um, with a pastor we knew. And within six weeks, I knew, like, yeah, I'm, this, this is not, I'm not called to pulpit ministry like zero. So then it's trying to find your lane, right? And so, so many, I know so many people um, that I think go get words over them or get prophesied over, and it doesn't maybe fit. Maybe it does fit. I know when Shelby and I went through presbytery, it was like three prophets that would prophesy over us. I felt an unbelievable uh, responsibility, if you will to fulfill the word over my life and take ownership. Um, some of us get words over our lives and we never act on them. I have a brother-in-law who says, Ron, I was prophesied over as going to be a youth pastor and I was really going to be used in youth and that hasn't happened. Well, you've been backslid for the last 30 years. It's not going to happen. You're not, <laughs> you're, you know, so, yeah. So the prophecy that, that changed us at that point or set us on a, the road that we thought God wanted us to be was... Uh, it was at our church that we attended for 27 years, and uh, the word was very specific. It was about um, getting jobs that no one else could get. It was about quoting things that people would say, how did you get that? Like, this is, it's a miracle. Uh, that was directed at Ron, and then also that he would um, carry suitcases overseas for people that were spreading the gospel. And my word was very specific. Uh, it was a house. And it was a big house. And it was because I love to entertain, and God was going to use that uh, gift, but I needed a place to do it. So within three years, 
we built that house. Mm -hmm. I, I shared last week a little bit about um, many times, many, many times uh, at the ranch in, in at your house how there'd be 30 people for dinner, there'd be 40 people, 50 people, 70 people. I mean, um, and just the cooking, cooking, cooking. <laughs> I, I, it's serious. I don't know how, how she does it, but um, I think the big thing is, too, when you talk about that finding your lane, we want, we want all of us to get this, that, yeah. you know, everybody's called to greatness in God, and it's not always just a, you know, a preaching ministry or whatever, but where they found their lane, like where Shelby found her lane regarding the hospitality, um, it's just, yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, so I was more um, called more into business and, and uh, starting, go, starting to go down the road of business. Um, man, you know, and, and I mean, I like what Andrew Picklick says, Christianity is evolving. But man, some of the wrestlings that you had to deal with, with the way I was brought up when it came to finances, I mean, that opened up another big Pandora's box with how do you deal with finances and how do you give and how do you display the blessings of God over your life and how do you be generous because, you know, there's always the finger pointers in the crowd that are going to be pointing their finger at you. And I remember I was 35 years old. I sold my first company. And... Um, I, my net was out of that deal because I had shareholders, but my take was uh, 2.3 million, and my acreage was paid for. Our, our acreage, sorry, hon. <laughs> our acreage was paid for. We had no debt, and I know I owed the Lord 230 grand, and I'm 10%. yeah, 10 percent. So I'm I'm looking at it, thinking like, you know, how do I do deal with this 230 grand because I've been taught you're not supposed to let the right hand know what the left hand's doing, and and I'm thinking, well, if I put it in the offering plate, people are going to see that I gave 230 grand. And I'm wrestling back and forth, like, you know, do I go give it to the pastor? Do I just give it to the treasurer? Or like, how do I deal with it? And this really has set me free in, in a lot of areas. I was wrestling in bed one night, and um, what dropped into my spirit was, do you think all of heaven is shaken over your 230 grand that you got to give? And... <laughs> how did you deal with 230 bucks? And I said, well, Shelby would write the check and just drop it in the offering plate. And, you're, you know, and, and what I really felt in my spirit is you're putting so much weight on this, just deal with it the way you would if it was 230 bucks. And so that has so set me free with how I live life, display life, how I give and try to be generous. So many times us Christians, we, we get such false humility thoughts in us, if you would. And so we're doing stuff in secret, and, and some things are taught and some are caught. And I think if we just display, not boast, but display the openness and the generosity of, of God and his blessing and have fun with God in doing that. So. Well, that's why you should tell them about all the cars. Yeah. <laughs> I told... Uh, talk about finding the lane. Like, you guys... Shelby and I have, have been blessed to a level, but man, if I could play guitar like Perry, like I told Shelby one day, I said, I would give anything to be able to play guitar, and I can't clap on time, that's how bad I am. So, so I said to Shelby one day, I said, I'd like to buy an electric guitar, and she said, why? I said, well, I want to strap it over my back, get on my chopper, and drive down the highway like I'm a musician. Because I, I just so wish I could, but I can't. So that's like, you just got to go in, enjoy and appreciate somebody else's gifting. So, yeah, we've been blessed with some exotic cars. I, I, uh, we were, I bought, last year I bought a, uh, a Hurricane um, Performante. It's a Lamborghini, a sweet car. And I just got it, and we're on our way to church, and I was parked by the lights. And I took off, and bang, 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 and then I turned off into the church, and the cops are right behind me with the lights on. And so they said, yeah, we, we saw you take off from the light, blah, 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 gives me a ticket. Well, everybody's the leadership team is coming into the church now, and I'm there with the lights going, and I'm looking like a complete idiot. So I thought, what am I going to say? So I, we, we went to the, we have a circle with the leadership, and we pray in the morning before the service starts, 
and I just looked at him, and they were kind of looking at me, smiling, and I said, I'm the biggest evangelist of all time. I said, I brought the cops to church. And then they, they said, well, did they come in? And, and I said, no, that's the Holy Ghost job. I said, I just brought them. So, yeah, so we use our cars um, a, lot of, a lot for charity, and um, we're the church for the Edmonton Dream Center. And we were doing a fundraiser with a lot of my friends that have exotic cars, and um, um, we were auctioning off rides, and then we'd take that money, and we'd give it to the Dream Center in support, and I think we raised like 38 grand that, yeah. that's, that afternoon. Well, some of the other guys in the car club caught what we were doing, and they said, man, this is so much fun. We should do this more with our cars. So I think for five years or six years now, seven years maybe, um, they've got an event that you can Google in Edmonton, and it's called Racing for a Cure, and we'll get police escorts. We'll be racing downtown, and it started at a at a, a speed track, but then it's got promoted more, and we give uh, kids with cancer rides in our car, but that uh, organization has raised a half a million dollars a year wow. for Racing for a Cure, which was just birthed at our church using the cars for the Edmonton Dream Center and giving rides. So, wow. you know, I, I think so many times we lack in the displayment of God's goodness and God's favor or God's blessing or gener you know, over our lives. So, Yeah, I love that you're not afraid to do that. How would you guys say that you developed culture, the kingdom culture in, in your life and in your business and relationships? Well, at work, um, I, I knew that you had to create a culture or a culture would be created without you. Yeah. And I wanted a culture of uh, charity, uh, relationships, friendship, warmth, um, a place that people felt comfortable coming to like it was going home because you spend a lot of time at work, eight hours at least a day. Some of our staff spent a lot more than that there. And so we tried to be very relational. We celebrated birthdays. We created a place that was warm and welcoming. And I think that was my role. And maybe because I like hospitality so much and it's my gifting that just, it just naturally flowed out into work. But it was definitely on purpose. It was very intentional and nothing happened that we didn't plan. Yeah, um, in, our, in our company, um, we probably, well, we, we led the general manager and his wife to the Lord, our president and his wife to the Lord, and then your, your dream, yeah, yeah, a bunch of kids and, and your trainers, your, and I think some, so many times as Christians, we're good with lip service, but we don't invest into people's lives. And to me, if you're not ready to invest into somebody's life, you really have no right to even say anything about their life because you're offside. You're giving lip service, but, you know, and that's what the Pharisees did, right? Um, I was giving a vision offering uh, one time at our church. So, yeah, vision offering, just let me interject. Um, they were coming into a building program. And, yeah. uh, and so yeah. they're sharing that, and, and so the pastor asked Ron to... Yeah, so once a month I'd get up and, and give a vision offering exhortation yeah. leading up to the big, you know, the offering day. Yeah. And so I told the church, um, like this morning, really, when we were worshiping and then, and then somebody's going to speak or present the word, it's like we're around the table of the Lord, if you will. Everybody agree with that? Yeah. And around the table of the Lord... On any given Sunday, there's really only three different types of chairs. And there's the eye chair, which is, what's this all about? Um, why are people lifting their hands? Why are we speaking in tongues? Why are we so excited about worshiping the Lord? And you're trying to get that all figured out, the Christian message and salvation message. And then there's the eye chair. And the eye chair is really, it's all about me. Where did I park? Was the music too loud? Was the music too quiet? Was it too fast? Was it too slow? The preacher went on a little too long. Trev was talking way too long again, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and really, then the next level, really the different chair is the supply chair. And to me, the supply chair is I'm going to serve, I'm going to give, I'm going to be counted, I'm going to be great in the kingdom of God. And it, it's good. Jesus said, it's great if you want to be great in my kingdom. Just be servant to all. And 
this is a revelation I got, Trev, years ago. Well, I shouldn't say maybe two or three years ago. And I shared this when we were in Israel. Um, if you look in the four Gospels, uh, the wise men's only mentioned in one Gospel. The angels appearing to the shepherds only mentioned in one Gospel. But Joseph of Arimathea, who took the body of Jesus and wanted to preserve it and dignify it, keep it dignified, is mentioned in all four Gospels. And so he was covering or he wanted to keep it because the deal was when you were crucified, the Romans wanted to, the birds to pick you apart and the dogs to eat. And I mean, it was a devouring thing. And Joseph of Arimathea went to Pontius Pilate and said, can I have the body of Christ? Today, Paul says, we are the body. Jointly fit together. Like this morning, this is the body of Christ. If we get a revelation that this is the body of Christ, it's going to it's going to be a paradigm shift for us in the way we treat the local church. Are we late? Not. Are we giving? Come on. <laughs> Are we eager to be there? Are we early? Are we all about serving and shoring up? And when somebody says something negative about leadership or about the pastor, about the service, we can just kind of say, no, no, we're going to preserve dignity here. And that's a, that's a paradigm shift for all of us in our spirit. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm a pastor, but I'm very much involved in the church. And Shelby and I really try to be effective in the local church. But a lot of that is because it's the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And when we slander each other, when we give each other just sort of a backhand like that with our words, we just did that to the body of Christ. Yeah. We just, digna we just dis disfigured the body of Christ. Wow. And it's a paradigm shift, but yeah. So the three chairs are? The high chair, the eye chair, and the supply chair. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Very good. Um, in the culture that you guys have created, I know, um, you know, when you just said there about if it's it, the body of Christ, so I show up late, I'm late for Jesus. <laughs> you said that before. I just, I, I kind of think that's, that's good. Uh, I want you to talk about, if you, if you don't mind, talk about when, um, you know, you said the first deal you did and then the tithe and you worked that out. But, but what was it after the prophetic word came about God was going to use you uh, with ha for handfuls on purpose, right? He wanted to bless you with handfuls on purpose. And then you, you prayed and you made a deal with God. You said 10% off the top to the local church, that, that whole scenario, and then the... You need to ex explain that. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so, um, when I sold the company, I went to start again, and actually, one of the companies I started right after I sold when I was 35 years old was a company called EnviroWest, and we were right here on 1090 Keniston, right where the new Ikea is, right across that tank farm above... And I, I couldn't get things going, and things weren't rolling, and I was wrestling about it. And you know, sometimes you can just feel there's a storm in the atmosphere of life. And I was laying in bed one night, and I said, Father God, if you bless me, and you give me the creativity according to Deuteronomy 28, I will, because Shelby's got a burn rate, so I said, we need 200 grand a year. After 200 grand a year, I'll pay my taxes, and I'll split everything 50-50 with you. And we've done that ever since. Uh, the, the, the bonus thing would come in or the dividends would come in for the company. We'd pay the taxes, turn around and split. Half would go to the local church. And I'm big on the local church. Um, tithe goes to the local church in my mind. Offering goes to the local church in my mind. And then alms, that's for, you know, I'm kind of down and out. I go to Trev and I say, Trev, like, can you spot me a couple hundred bucks? Nobody knows about that. Because that's alms. But besides that, what we tithe and what we do for offering, Garrett, um, who was our president, I had him tithing before he got saved. And so then, so, so then one year he said, uh, he said, Ron, he said, I did pretty good. Because in our inner circle, we share openly what we tithe and what we give, and we celebrate it. It's not a burden. It's not something we're trying to keep in, in, in secret. We just openly share it. So we're driving in his pickup one day, and before he was generous, like, I mean, he was so tight. He was running our division in Thunder Bay, and Garrett was so tight, like, like he didn't even want to give out corporate stuff at Thanksgiving. And so I'm riding with him in the pickup one day, 
and we went to Tim Hortons, and um, I go to put my coffee cup in the cup holder. Well, it's all full of loonies and toonies, and and it's Tim Hortons money. Yeah. So I looked over at Garrett, and I grabbed all of the coin out of the cup holder. And I don't know how much was there, but I rolled down the window and I threw it out the window and I said, you make so much money, you don't need this. And then, and then he just started loosening up and, and it really got good. So after he got saved, he, he looked at me one day going down the road and I was like, we'd sported back and forth um, on a continual basis. And, and he said, just so you know, Ron, I give 300 grand this year. And I knew how much he made, and I said, 300 grand? I said, what a suck you are. I said, and he looked at me, he said, what are you talking about? He said, that's a lot of money. I said, Garrett, if you want to be a man of influence, you got to do something influential. I said, 300 grand is not really going to get you any influence here. And so, but that was just a relationship we had out in the open, and uh, yeah. So it was, a, it was a culture that you guys developed, just a culture of generosity and, and um, uh, as part of the culture. But the neat thing with Garrett was... Um, you know, when you first saw him, you saw gold in him, and you just wanted to develop that. And so he starts, you know, he's involved in the company and that sort of thing. And uh, you, you told him, you're like, you got to get, get tithing, even before he was born again. Then, yeah, tell yeah, us. then when he saw it worked, like he would be telling other people, man, you got to tithe, like this stuff works. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not kidding you, this works. Yeah. And then he ended up getting saved, his wife got saved, his daughter got saved. So, you know, really, and I use this with my managers all the time, we all in life, we're really just a link in the chain, aren't we? We're, we're, we're being pulled or influenced by three or four people, and hopefully we're pulling three or four behind us. And where we really get into trouble is when we think we're the hook and we've got all the answers and my way is the only way and I've got all the answers. I mean, now we're, we become unteachable, really. And uh, so I've always aspired. I know that one of the first got times that I was inspired to give, um, I heard about uh, a, a family up north who would give 100 grand to a Bible school and I thought, wow. And then I heard of another guy who purposed himself every year to give a half a million dollars. And so then I met with him one day, and I said, Harry, I said, you don't know what kind of inspiration you've been to me. And I, saw, I, was, I was sitting on a board with him at that time, and I, he said, what are you talking about? I said, I heard how you purpose to give 500 grand every year. And he said, you're not supposed to know about that. And I said, but Harry, why wouldn't you openly display that? I said, you know, it, you don't know who you inspire or who you tweak to, you know, it's like King David, after he killed Goliath, his siblings killed siblings of Goliath. Mm -hmm. But King David had a show that, hey, this can be done, right? Yeah. yeah. So good. So good. I, I love that. Like, just so, like this whole thing, like right now, if we had a if we had a ministry in that was say they're used in healing a lot right like a healing ministry or we had we had a, a prophet in a few weeks ago a month ago or whatever Russ Klein and stuff and so he gets up and he's talking and sharing about his lane is prophecy right he equips people to hear God and prophesy and that kind of thing right I don't think we've ever had this I know we haven't here at Catch the Fire but we're or I'd be curious to know how many of you have sat down in a church before and listen to somebody, a couple or somebody, that their lane was the kingdom, finances, business, generosity, and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? I, I don't, and, and the thing that you guys really helped us and set us free with the mindset of that whole thing. I mean, we talked about it because we were talking about tithing and everything else, and, and you brought up the, the scripture where it talks about, or I brought it up, it said the left hand shouldn't know what the right hand's giving and stuff. And then he takes me in the Bible, we break it down, and it's specifically talking about the almsgiving right? And so, um, anyway, so that's been really cool. I, but in, in the past then, so as the Lord just has blessed them and stuff, they've gotten involved in many different ministries and, and um, helping churches. Like, it's amazing how God can take somebody from Gladstone, Manitoba, on the farm, driving a tractor when you're a kid, dreaming about what could happen, finding your lane, or up in, you know, uh, way up north there, you know, Eaglesham, on the farm, and how, how, how God would say, here's your lane, now start to go for it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, with that, you know, so they got involved, they've, they've helped, you know, different churches and stuff, but um, I want you to share, 
like, how many churches, I mean, you guys, houses for people, vehicles, churches, helping people in need, like, all that kind of stuff. What, what's some of the, some of the stuff that's happened? Um, we, we were asked to get involved with a church in Las Vegas, uh, I don't know, six years ago now, seven? Oh, yeah, during the 08 melt. They ended up getting upside down in their mortgage when uh, the real estate market collapsed in the United States. So uh, we, we, Ron got a call from a friend of his, and then we said, yeah, we'll help. We, I think we gave him $2.7 million, as a lo- $3 million, and then we gifted them $700,000. And uh, we were supposed to, get, supposed to get, it paid, get, get it paid back within six months. And, of course, their financing fell through. So it went on for quite a while. But... It, he says uh, that if it wouldn't have been for us, his church wouldn't exist today. And they are just in the middle, uh, middle of a building project, a uh, $13 million project, and it's going to seat 1,700 people or 2,200 people. 4,000, yeah, they're doing multiple services. So uh, not us. I mean, we had the money because God blessed us just because we did what we were supposed to do. But uh, it helped that church. Then we invested in a church in Idaho that was also upside down at the same time. That was a $340,000 investment, which we wrote off. And um, we've bought, we've paid mortgages off for pastors. We've bought, I think, nine cars or vehicles, some of them for pastors, some for people in need. Um, what else have we, we bought a house uh, in Vegas for uh, prostitution, girls getting out of prostitution. We bought a house in Edmonton for Adira, so that it's, they call it the next step house. Once you get through rehab, you can go on to our house, and it's a beautiful $700,000 home that we bought brand new, furnished it for the girls. There's four suites. Um, so we've done things creatively, I guess, that aren't necessarily mainstream, but helping the kingdom. Yeah, so when we bought this house, Trev, in, um, um, for the dream transition, yep. yeah, same old story, you know, like we go as the church eldership and we went and toured the house and man, the flack we took because we bought too nice of a house <laughs> for transition. Wow. And I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, good Lord, like really? You got to be kidding me! And our our heart's desire was get them out, get them through rehab, get them into an environment that is so away from what they were used to, and then transition into life, right? And then here we got some good, you know, closed-fisted, not their money, but you could like that's better than the house we have. And I'm thinking, well, have a nice day with that, you know? It's like. But th- that speaks to a poverty mentality. Yeah. And I think that the church has fostered that for many, many years. And we need to get past that. We need to expect good things from God and reap what we sow because that's biblical. So um, let's not settle. Let's expect. I mean, if people, we're doing a Bible study right now online, and it, it, you, do you set goals? Do you have dreams? And I, I had to comment, I couldn't dream as big as what God's blessed us. I just couldn't have. In my infinite, small little mind, I could not have thought we would be where we are today, ever, in a million years. Yeah. I love it. That's part of that culture. And that, that one of the things, too, I, um, just that mindset. I mean, we, we know that in Manitoba, you hear a lot about that poverty mindset, right? And that, that you know, lockdown kind of, that mindset. But I just think... I absolutely believe that it's time for the church to rise up yeah. and display a culture of, you know, uh, blessing and fullness and and. Uh, but it's interesting because it, it doesn't start. It doesn't start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and Trev, like our first deal that we did for our church commitment, that was not part of our tithe. Is they were way back in the day. They were trying to raise money for. Remember, we had choirs and they had choir robes. And I was maybe 31, 32 years old. And so I said they were trying to raise money for the choir robes. Yeah. So I go to the treasurer. I said, so how are we doing with the five grand for the choir robes? And Ralph Wells said, well, we've raised a thousand, brother Ron. I said, okay, well, Shelby and I will give in the other 4,000. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't carry that. But that was the very, so sometimes we get words over us. And we, we want that immediate, and God's just saying, no, but are you faithful 
like just one step? Because you guys, I, I've started business groups um, in three different, four different churches, and have had pastors ask us to come in to speak to business groups. You wouldn't believe how many people I know been in the kingdom all my life. I'm third generation, and you wouldn't believe how many people I know who are so committed when they're down and out. And it's it's that way with relationships. Trev, you know, we know people that they were so fervent, and they were single, and they were so blessed, and then they meet a guy, this one girl, just for instance, and she meets a guy who's kind of cold, doesn't really tithe, he's in church, but he's not really in church, and he comes to church, but he's not really committed. Well, they hook up, they get married. As While they were dating, they got to maybe all of a sudden, sitting instead of sitting in the front, hands up, in the air, fervently worshiping, they're sitting in the middle. And so you can kind of see there's been a little bit of a cool down happening. And then after they're married, they're sitting at the back row. And then pretty soon, not tithing. And then pretty soon, not in church. And you don't know how many people, even in business, they start getting blessed. Rather than keeping the commitment and the willingness and the integrity of serving God, you know, I'll put it this way, Trev, we, we bought horses when we moved to the ranch. And so the kids wanted Sunday afternoon. That's when we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. And the kids wanted to stay at home and ride horses during the day, Sunday afternoon and into the evening. And I said, no, we're going to church. So on the way to church, um, teaching moment. Yeah, Carly and Shane are complaining. It's such a beautiful day, Dad. It would have been so nice if we could have just rode horses just this once. And I said, you know, there was a time your mom and dad were so broke, we went to church for entertainment because we had no money to do anything else. <laughs> and I said, I said, wouldn't it be terrible if the very blessings of God that he has given us because of our faithfulness mm -hmm. now takes us out of the house of God. Wow. And how many wow. times has that happened? Oh, you know what? Now I've got, an, I've got a cottage over here on the weekend. And so, and I'm all about having fun. Like, I mean, I'm all about enjoying life and living life. And I, don't, I think so many times we don't include God enough in our fun of living yeah. life. But at the end of the day, man, that stuff shouldn't take us out of our commitment and our priority to the house of God. And I've seen it over and over again. And then businessmen, they start getting blessed. And then, okay, yeah, I know, but you were, like, going to be plugged into the house. And you were going to supply for the house. And, yeah, no, and I'm busy over here. And I got a house over here. And I got this going over there. And, and I just look at how many times we must grieve God when he blesses us. Because we're, we're, we're letting that stuff take us out of the body of Christ. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, and it, you've seen it so many times. It's just, yeah. I told my daughter one day, she was talking to a friend, and she said, Dad, well, and it was an ungodly friend. She said, well, Dad, you know, we talked, this, that, the other thing, going back and forth. And I said, yeah. I said, you know, when Eve was talking to her friend, the serpent, and I said, we all have serpents in our life. And she said, Dad, you have a serpent in your life? I said, yeah. She said, who's your serpent? I said, my biggest one would be Earl, my shareholder. I said, I love hanging out with him. We love the same entertainment. He says, Ron, you need to get out on the racetrack and on a race circuit. You're, you'd be a natural. Like, you should be. And I told my daughter, I said, I can't do that. Because if I do, it's going to take me out of church every weekend. And I said, I can't afford to do that. So, you know, sometimes we're listening to serpents and we're just thinking, yeah, okay, damn. Yeah, no, really? Did God really say that? No, do I really have to? And then here comes the wear down, right? I'm doing all the talking. Wow, that's powerful. So you guys, when you were married, you married young. And I know, Shelby, you've said you just had each other. So it's not like you, you know, went to business school or anything like this. This was all just you guys and the Lord. And I just, I'm just so inspired by you. And you're so committed and your principles. And can you just talk a bit about what you've done in the church and, and how you've served in the church? How that looked over the years? Well, I, like I said, I didn't have that greatest dreams and aspirations. So my biggest aspiration was I wanted to be like my aunt and she was a caterer. 
my dad's sister, and she could she could whip up a meal for I don't know you know 450 people. She cooked at Bible camps uh, faithfully. She was she just somebody that was inspiring. So I aspire to be like my aunt, and then I aspire to be like Ron's sister, who she had men of God in her home all the time. Like there were she ironed and she cooked and she served and I thought okay I, I love these two women and that's where I got my inspiration just like Ron got inspired by men that gave money I got inspired to the kitchen like I said not a great inspiration but your burn rate's way higher than your aunt's they, they Shelby Shelby went to volunteer to cook at a camp and is cooking for 35 people and on on just raw fire and it's like it's like yeah so then Shelby gets a hold of her, or the camp director, and says, okay, so like, uh, what, what kind of combinations are, am I gonna be living under in? Well, you'll be living in a tent, okay, is there showers there? There's no showers, you'll be down at the river. And Shelby said, okay, she looked over at me, she said, I did not sign up for this. She said, I'm not doing that. So 120 grand later, we have a four horse, live-in quarter <laughs> trailer so she can go cook for out at the camp so yeah yeah so and Shelby you were involved in children's ministry yeah we I did um early on serving was it was I maybe because I grew up on the farm and work ethic is so instilled on the farm and I have a I have a big hate for laziness like, it's my number one thing that I can't stand. And so when there was things that needed to be done in the church, I signed up. I was the one that signed up for everything. I did uh, VBS every summer. I uh, served Tuesday night at our action program every for 25 years. I did Sunday morning kids when they needed help. We served in the nursery. Ron served with me when he had to in the nursery. <laughs> But it was, there was nothing that I just felt that God had done so much for me, I had to give back when I could, and that meant doing whatever it took. That was my favorite motto, you do whatever it takes. And then what about burnout? <laughs> um, I can't remember my favorite scripture right now this year. I should have memorized it, but it's that one that talks about... Um, uh, yeah, to whom much is given, much is expected. Yeah. But also the other one about um, not becoming weary in well-doing. And yeah. that's about keeping, I think, a constant relationship with Christ, staying in the Word, listening to worship music, uh, making sure that you are uh, having an intimate time with God. And then I think burnout is less apt to happen. Mm. Having the right friends... Yeah, taking rest when you when you need to, and identifying that when you're tired and maybe you need a timeout. So I just think you have to read yourself a little bit better, and then count on God's richness in your life that He'll Come meet on. you when you need Him. He'll be there and He'll sustain you. So good. Um, one of the things too we've talked about before is um, you know the kings, the priests, the prophets, like the different different. Uh, Different. It is about finding your lane, really, you know. 100%. But, but yep. uh, how, how kings and priests can work together and, and you know. Yeah, it really, uh, I, I grew up in an era when um, businessmen didn't really connect with the pastors. And the pastors didn't really connect with the businessman. And the business was secular and the pastor super spiritual. And so there was more competition than embracement. And... I always used to think what, how cool it would be if the business community and the local church would really get to know their pastor and have intimate relationship with the pastor so that, so that you've got this. And I've been fortunate. I've always been, Shelby and I have always had good pastor friends, fathers and peers, um, equals, if you would, in the faith. Um, but they were taught from a pastor's side they were always taught be weary or leery of the businessman in the pew because he's, you get him in there too much, he's going to try to control, he can jerk at any time, and there goes your support, and on and on and on. And so, like I said earlier, Christianity is evolving, and I think if there was, like, good embracement and support and relationship, 
you know, the businessman thinks, well, God only wants my money, and the pastor wants my money. Well, you know, here's the truth of it. Jesus came in to this world needing financing. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and I've never seen an auction mart that says God's cows. Somebody has to go up there and get that and turn it into cash. And um, I look at it so many times where um, that split, I think that's one of been Satan's biggest, the enemy's biggest tools. If he could just get there to be a separation. And, and you know, if you take the wise men, they knew who Jesus was. It was, it, was, it was gold for king, frankincense for deity, and myrrh for death. They, the wise men were very well known. They knew very well who Jesus was. And it was that gold that they brought Jesus that financed Jesus when he had to run away with his, well, like his parents, had to run away into Egypt. And so why are we shocked when we think, well, you know, and somehow I think more in the charismatic world, we, well, God can do anything, and it's all up to God. And it's just, and it, and it's not really up to God. It's a yoke that we're in it together yeah. with God. And I like what Benny Perez says: God's talking all the time. And Andrew Picklick says they used to pray, "Oh man, I'm going to move the hand of God. I'm going to move." And who are you to move the hand of God? Really, he said. You know, it's really us when we pray, tapping into what God is saying and God, what God is doing, and then we're engaging with him in a yoke to get, get done what God is really wants. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. So good. So it's about, you know, taking the word, what God has placed on your life, finding your lane, and then actually engaging with him in it. It's not like we sit back and just like, oh, this is going to happen someday, this is going to happen someday, but actually taking steps to engage in it. And would you say that that sometimes takes pretty serious hard work? <laughs> yeah, I used to say, um, and, and us Christians are good with cliches, right? Like, I remember when I sold the first company, I was 35 years old, the word got out in the church that, you know, Ron had had a home run, and then you get the eekers. And they're like, so is Ron a God-made man or a self-made man? And it sounds so spiritual because I worked hard. Like, I mean, I think the, you couldn't get away with this today because of logbooks, but the hardest I went was five days with 13 hours sleep. Like, I mean, I was like, let's get at it. We're going to make this happen. So at the end of the day, you got the finger. So I phoned Pastor Ron, and I said, Pastor Ron, I don't know. Like, am I a self-made or am I God-made uh, man? And he said, Ron, you're both. It's working together. And I thought, what a cool answer that is, right? Uh, we're not that smart, uh, but we did we we did work hard. But I know a lot of people that worked hard, harder than we did. But I think because we were faithful to God and to the kingdom, He blessed us. And but I don't ever want people to think that that uh, your hard work is is not for naught, because uh, we my parents worked a whole lot harder than I did, and they don't have what we have. So it's all about your intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and God said he'd bless the labor of our hand, right? Yeah. So if you want lots of blessing, labor lots. Mm-hmm. It just goes back and forth that way, right? It's like, and not strive, but to do it with rest. But man, when you see the opportunity and you see the possibilities, and I think at any one given time, Trev, I had two or three people that could speak into my life intimately at any time. What I was doing, I'd, I'd share what the, my next venture was, what they thought. I'd ask the pastor how they felt in their spirit, Pastor Ron, Dave Hubert. And um, so I put myself under a covering, if you would, and accountability. And I always had shareholders, and I'm of a mindset I'd rather have five shareholders than one. And um, if you get five shareholders, they're overlooking at it. If somebody's out in left field, somebody's, like, trying to pull one off on, they've got other eyes looking at it. I mean, good guys, not, like, yeah, so... So we're all talking about the hands. Hopefully you get an idea of just these are some things like, you know, um, the hands, getting involved, getting engaged. Um, I would even say this. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not, maybe you're not from like the local church here, Catch a Fire. You're part of another local church. You're just visiting today. I would just say in, I just encourage you to plug in. Just, just whatever you find your hand doing, do with all your heart, all your might, as unto the Lord. And uh, so good. Um, just in closing, because you guys were part of Bethesda Church. That's where we met you guys. Um, and then uh, you felt that it was time to transition for development. 
and developing, you know, people in ministry and that sort of thing. So you got involved in the church plant, planted the church. How, and I use this example actually from them in, um, in the transition and how to transition well and stuff. Just tell us, we'll close out with this, about the transition into where you are now from Bethesda and what you felt to do. I know you deposited, you, you, you gave a large sum of money just to help them with their project and well, we, Ron specifically was very involved with the young men at the, uh, in that church. And um, he, there wasn't a lot of opportunities to serve in that church. And so uh, he really felt it in his heart that it was time that we started um, developing young leaders. And so uh, we, we left that church in a, it, with no malice at all. We, our children were raised in that church. We loved that church. We left them with $2.3 million when we left because we had been on the board and felt it was important. They were in a building fund, and we didn't want them to be suffering with lack of finances. But our heart really was in that church plant was to develop young leaders, uh, musicians, speakers, teachers, prophets, preachers. And so that's why we left when we did. And it was a very strange deal because uh, the company that was buying us they were late on getting their finances, so we never knew. The closing day went, we celebrated with the shareholders, and we didn't get the money. So uh, we're going, okay, we're not leaving the church till we can give them the money. So we had to wait for the deal to close. Finally, the money came through, and unbeknownst to us, I wrote the check. And it was the 10th day, the 10th month of the 10th year. Wow. So 10 is the number of completion. And we just felt it was God saying, You're, I've got your back. You're doing the right thing. The church has got what they need, and you guys can move on. And we invested in another church. Yeah, and, and, and to just talk about, I know I, uh, one pastor, Andrew, Andrew Picklick, said, any of you guys can leave the church anytime you want. Just leave $2.3 <laughs> And when you're leaving. <laughs> so... But uh, this 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 wasn't a this wasn't a knee jerk reaction or a um, uh, pastor Ron and I Trev you know we were best buddies. Yeah. Um, it was not um, all of a sudden a knee jerk where yeah we're gone here now and have a nice day. There had been lots of heads up. We had tried to talk, you know, the leadership into taking different avenues and different situations on on developing leaders. So it wasn't like yeah there was a. A lot of words. I, I went up to the altar um, the day we were to, we left, and I gave Pastor Ron a big hug, gave him the check, and and said yeah. goodbye, my good friend. So it wasn't like there was, you know, there was been lots of lead time. I I, I have a hard mm -hmm. time with people that just do the knee jerk. I'm out of here. Um, didn't talk to anybody. Then when they do leave, um, you know, Trent, me and you have talked about this, and I think it's crucial. Um, Paul said. If there's a guy that's immoral, if there's a guy that's a drunkard, if there's a guy that's a sluggard, or if there's a slanderer, mm -hmm. you're not even supposed to eat with that guy. And I think how many times do we put up with slander and backstabbing and all kinds of schmuck of stuff in the <laughs> kingdom, and to what end? If you read the seven things that the Lord hates, yeah. and who stands in God's holy hill, slander is in both of those. Yeah. If you want to stand in God's holy hill, you don't slander. If you want to, you want to know what God absolutely hates, slander. Mm. You don't want me to have a meal with you, slander. And we don't do that enough. No, I, I don't want to go out with you because I know you're going to be talking negative about leadership, mm. and I can't go there in my spirit. I'm, it's going to take me out of the kingdom. So, yeah. It's oh, good. So good. Well, listen, I'm going to invite us all to stand up. And uh, would you guys just... I'd like you just to pray over us, um, and uh, that we would all, that each person, my prayer is, is that each of us would really find our lane. Maybe, maybe you know your lane. You're in your lane. You know your lane. But uh, I know there are people here that um, have had words over your life about the very thing that Ron and Shelby are, they carry regarding financing in the kingdom and all that kind of stuff, you know. But I just like it if you guys would pray over us. And um, if you, if you want to just, you know, receive from the Lord in this, why don't you just hold your hands out in front of you like this and um, just make in your own heart the declaration, Father, I'm going to put my hand to the plow 
in every way that you've called me to, to, to walk in the lane you've called me to walk in. So yeah, go yeah. ahead and pray over us, please. Father, we just come before you this great morning. Lord, it's so good to be with your family, with your body, Lord, this morning. Lord, I just pray for each and every one here today, Lord, that you would give them the uh, direction for their life, Lord, that they would be fruitful in all areas, Father God, that they would be diligent with the direction that you send them in or that you draw them in, Father God, Lord, that they would be equally yoked together with you in, in, in completing and accomplishing what, they, what, they, what you have for them in the, in the earth, Father God. We just bless the body this morning. We bless Trev and Mel. And Father God, we just ask you for direction, guidance, and wisdom in all that we do. In thy name we pray. Amen. <laughs>